Section 8 of Father Goriot by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Marriage This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 8 Yes, but what you want is a pretty woman, said Mademoiselle Michonneau briskly. Trompe la mort? would not let a woman come near him said the detective i will tell you a secret he does not like them still i do not see what i can do supposing that i did agree to identify him for two thousand francs nothing simpler said the stranger i will send you a little bottle containing a dose that will send a rush of blood to the head it will do him no harm whatever but he will fall down as if he were in a fit the drug can be put into wine or coffee. Either will do equally well. You carry your man to bed at once and undress him to see that he is not dying. As soon as you are alone, you give him a slap on the shoulder, and presto, the letters will appear. Why, that is just nothing at all, said Poiret. Well, do you agree? said Gondreau, addressing the old maid. But my dear sir suppose there are no letters at all said mademoiselle michonneau am i to have the two thousand francs all the same no what will you give me then five hundred francs it is such a thing to do for so little it lies on your conscience just the same and i must quiet my conscience sir i assure you said poiret that mademoiselle has a great deal of conscience and not only so she is a very amiable person and very intelligent well now mademoiselle michonneau went on make it three thousand francs if he is trompe de mort and nothing at all if he is an ordinary man done said gondreau but on the condition that the thing is settled to-morrow not quite so soon my dear sir i must consult my confessor first you are a sly one said the detective as he rose to his feet good-bye till to-morrow then and if you should want to see me in a hurry go to the petite rue saint anne at the bottom of the coeur de la sainte chapelle there is one door under the archway ask for monsieur gondreau bianchon on his way back from cuvier's lecture overheard the sufficiently striking nickname of trompe la mort and caught the celebrated chief detective's done why didn't you close with him it would be three thousand francs a year said poiret to mademoiselle michonneau why didn't i she asked why it wants thinking over suppose that monsieur vautrin is this trompe la mort perhaps we might do better for ourselves with him still on the other hand if you ask him for money it would put him on his guard and he is just the man to clear out without paying and that would be an abominable sell and suppose you did warn him poiret went on didn't that gentleman say that he was closely watched you would spoil everything anyhow thought mademoiselle michonneau i can't abide him he says nothing but disagreeable things to me but you can do better than that poiret resumed as that gentleman said and he seemed to me to be a very good sort of man besides being very well got up it is an act of obedience to the laws to rid society of a criminal however virtuous he may be once a thief always a thief 
suppose he were to take it into his head to murder us all the deuce we should be guilty of manslaughter and be the first to fall victims into the bargain mademoiselle michonneau's musings did not permit her to listen very closely to the remarks that fell one by one from poiret's lips like water dripping from a leaky tap when once this elderly babbler began to talk he would go on like clockwork unless mademoiselle michonneau stopped him he started on some subject or other and wandered on through parenthesis after parenthesis till he came to regions as remote as possible from his premises without coming to any conclusions by the way by the time they reached the maison vauquet he had tacked together a whole string of examples and quotations more or less irrelevant to the subject in hand which led him to give a full account of his own deposition in the case of the sieur regulot versus dame morin when he had been summoned as witness for the defence as they entered the dining-room eugene de rastignac was talking apart with mademoiselle Talifet. the conversation appeared to be of such thrilling interest that the pair never noticed the two older lodgers as they passed through the room none of this was thrown away on mademoiselle michonneau i knew how it would end remarked that lady addressing poiret they have begun making eyes at each other in a heart-rending way for a week past yes he answered so she was found guilty who madame morin i'm talking about mademoiselle victorine said mademoiselle michonneau as she entered poiret's room with an absent air and you answer madame morin who may madame morin be what can mademoiselle victorine be guilty of demanded poiret guilty of falling in love with monsieur eugene de rastignac and going further and further without knowing exactly where she is going poor innocent that morning madame de nucingen had driven eugene to despair in his own mind he had completely surrendered himself to vautrin and deliberately shut his eyes to the motive for the friendship which was extraordinarily man professed for him nor would he look to the consequences of such an alliance nothing short of a miracle could extricate him now out of the gulf into which he had walked an hour ago when he exchanged vows in the softest whispers with mademoiselle Talifet. to victorine it seemed as if she heard an angel's voice that heaven was opening above her the maison vauquet took strange and wonderful hues like a stage fairy palace she loved and she was loved at any rate she believed that she was loved and what woman would not likewise have believed after seeing rastignac's face and listening to the tones of his voice during that hour snatched under the argus eyes of maison vauquet he had trampled on his conscience he knew that he was doing wrong and did it deliberately he had said to himself that a woman's happiness should atone for this venial sin the energy of desperation had lent new beauty to his face the lurid fire that burned in his heart shone from his eyes luckily for him the miracle took place vautrin came in in high spirits 
and at once read the hearts of these two young creatures whom he had brought together by the combinations of his infernal genius but his deep voice broke in upon their bliss a charming girl is my franchette in her simplicity he sang mockingly victorine fled her heart was more full than it had ever been but it was full of joy and not of sorrow poor child a pressure of the hand the light touch of rastignac's hair against her cheek a word whispered in her ear so closely that she felt the student's warm breath on her the pressure of a trembling arm about her waist a kiss upon her throat such had been her betrothal the near neighbourhood of the stout sylvie who might invade that glorified room at any moment only made these first tokens of love more ardent more eloquent more entrancing than the noblest deeds done for love's sake in the most famous romances this plain song of love to use the pretty expression of our forefathers seemed almost criminal to the devout young girl who went to confession every fortnight in that one hour she had poured out more of the treasures of her soul than she could give in later days of wealth and happiness when her whole self followed the gift the thing is arranged vautrin said to eugene who remained our two dandies have fallen out everything was done in proper form it is a matter of opinion our pigeon has insulted my hawk they will meet to-morrow in the redoubt at Cleancourt. by half-past eight in the morning mademoiselle telefay calmly dipping her bread and butter in her coffee-cup will be sole heiress of her father's fortune and affections a funny way of putting it isn't it telefay's youngster is an expert swordsman and quite cocksure about it but he will be bled i have just invented a thrust for his benefit a way of raising your sword point and driving it at the forehead i must show you that thrust it is an uncommonly handy thing to know rastignac heard him in dazed bewilderment he could not find a word in reply just then goriot came in and biencon and a few of the boarders likewise appeared that is just as i intended vautrin said you know quite well what you are about good my little eaglet you are born to command you are strong you stand firm on your feet you are game i respect you he made as though he would take eugene's hand but rastignac hastily withdrew it sank into a chair and turned ghastly pale it seemed to him that there was a sea of blood before his eyes oh so we still have a few dubious tatters of the swaddling clothes of virtue about us murmured vautrin but papa dolibon has three millions i know the amount of his fortune once have her dowry in your hands and your character will be as white as the bride's white dress even in your own eyes rastignac hesitated no longer he made up his mind that he would go that evening to warn the Talifes, father and son. But just as Vautrin left him, Father Goriot came in and said in his ear, You look melancholy, my boy. I will cheer you up. Come with me. The old vermicelli dealer lighted his dip at one of the lamps as he spoke. Eugene went with him, 
his curiosity had been aroused let us go up to your room the worthy soul remarked when he had asked sylvie for the law student's key this morning he resumed you thought that she did not care about you did you not eh she would have nothing to say to you and you went away out of humour and out of heart stuff and rubbish she wanted you to go because she was expecting me now do you understand we were to complete the arrangements for taking some chambers for you a jewel of a place you are to move into it in three days time don't split upon me she wants it to be a surprise but i couldn't bear to keep the secret from you you will be in the rue d'artois only a step or two from the rue saint lazare and you are to be housed like a prince anyone might have thought we were furnishing the house for a bride oh we have done a lot of things in the last month and you knew nothing about it my attorney has appeared on the scene and my daughter is to have thirty-six thousand francs a year the interest on her money and i shall insist on having her eight hundred thousand invested in sound securities landed property that won't run away eugene was dumb he folded his arms and paced up and down in his cheerless untidy room father goriot waited till the student's back was turned and seized the opportunity to go to the chimney-piece and set upon it a little red morocco case with rastignac's arms stamped in gold on the leather my dear boy said the kind soul i have been up to my eyes in this business you see there was plenty of selfishness on my part i have an interested motive in helping you to change lodgings you will not refuse me if i ask you something will you eh what is it there is a room on the fifth floor up above your rooms that is to let along with them that is where i am going to live isn't that so i am getting old i am too far from my girls i shall not be in the way but i shall be there that is all you will come and talk to me about her every evening it will not put you about will it i shall have gone to bed before you come in but i shall hear you come up and i shall say to myself he has just seen my little delphine he has been to dance with her and she is happy thanks to him if i were ill it would do my heart good to hear you moving about below to know when you leave the house and when you come in it is only a step to the champs d'elysees where they go every day so i shall be sure of seeing them whereas now i am sometimes too late and then perhaps she may come to see you i shall hear her i shall see her in her soft quilted pelisse tripping about as daintily as a kitten in this one month she has become my little girl again so light-hearted and gay her soul is recovering and her happiness is owing to you oh i would do impossibilities for you only just now she said to me i am very happy papa when they say father stiffly it sends a chill through me but when they call me papa it brings all the old memories back i feel most their father then i even believe that they belong to me and to no one else the good man wiped his eyes he was crying it is a long while since i have heard them talk like that a long long time since she took my arm as she did to-day yes indeed it must be quite ten years since i walked side by side with one of my girls how pleasant it was to keep 
step with her to feel the touch of her gown the warmth of her arm well i took delphine everywhere this morning i went shopping with her and i brought her home again oh you must let me live near you you may want some one to do you a service some of these days and i shall be on the spot to do it oh if only that great dolt of an alsatian would die if his gout would have the sense to attack his stomach how happy my poor child would be you would be my son-in-law you would be her husband in the eyes of the world bah she has known no happiness that excuses everything our father in heaven is surely on the side of fathers on earth who love their children how fond of you she is he said raising his head after a pause all the time we were going about together she chatted away about you he is so nice-looking papa isn't he he is kind-hearted does he talk to you about me pshaw she said enough about you to fill whole volumes between the rue d'artois and the passage des panoramas she poured her heart out into mine i did not feel old once during that delightful morning i felt as light as a feather i told her how you had given the banknote to me it moved my darling to tears but what can this be on your chimney-piece said father goriot at last rastignac had shown no sign and he was dying of impatience eugene stared at his neighbor in dumb and dazed bewilderment he thought of vautrin of that duel to be fought to-morrow morning and of his realization of his dearest hopes the violent contrast between the two sets of ideas gave him all the sensations of nightmare he went to the chimney-piece saw the little square case opened it and found a watch of bruget's make wrapped in paper on which these words were written i want you to think of me every hour because delphine that last word doubtless contained an allusion to some scene that had taken place between them eugene felt touched inside the gold watch case his arms had been wrought in enamel the chain the key the workmanship and design of the trinket were all such as he had imagined for he had long coveted such a possession father goriot was radiant of course he had promised to tell his daughter every detail of the scene and of the effect produced upon eugene by her present he shared in the pleasure and excitement of the young people and seemed to be not the least happy of the three he loved rastignac already for his own as well as for his daughter's sake you must go and see her she is expecting you this evening that great lout of an alsatian is going to have supper with his opera dancer aha he looked very foolish when my attorney let him know where he was he says he idolizes my daughter does he he had better let her alone or i will kill him to think that my delphine is his he heaved a sigh it is enough to make me murder him but it would not be manslaughter to kill that animal he is a pig with a calf's brains you will take me with you will you not yes dear father goriot you know very well how fond i am of you yes i do know very well you are not ashamed of me are you not you let me embrace you and he flung his arms around the student's neck you will make her very happy promise me that you will you will go to her this evening will you not oh yes i must go out i have some urgent business on hand 
Can I be of any use? My word, yes. Will you go to old Telefay's while I go to Madame de Nucingen? Ask him to make an appointment with me some time this evening. It is a matter of life and death. Really, young man, cried Father Goriot, with a change of countenance, are you really paying court to his daughter, as those simpletons were saying down below? Tonnerre de Dieu! You have no notion what a tap a la Goriot is like, and if you are playing a double game, I shall put a stop to it by one blow of the fist. Oh, the thing is impossible. I swear to you that I love but one woman in the world, said the student. I only knew it a moment ago. Oh, what happiness, cried Goriot. But young Talifay has been called out. The duel comes off tomorrow morning, and I have heard it said that he may lose his life in it. But what business is it of yours, said Goriot? Why, I ought to tell him so, that he may prevent his son from putting in an appearance. Just at that moment Vautrin's voice broke in upon them. He was standing at the threshold of his door, and singing, O Richard, O my king, all the world abandons thee, broom, 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 broom. The same old story everywhere, a roving heart and a tra-la-la. Gentlemen, shouted Christophe, the soup is ready and everyone is waiting for you. Here, Vaudreuil called down to him, come and take a bottle of my Bordeaux. Do you think your watch is pretty? asked Goriot. She has good taste, hasn't she? Eh? Vautrin, Father Goriot, and Rastignac came downstairs in company, and all three of them, being late, were obliged to sit together. Eugene was as distant as possible in his manner to Vautrin during dinner, but the other, so charming in Madame Vauquier's opinion, had never been so witty. His lively sallies and sparkling talk put the whole table in good humour. His assurance and coolness filled Eugene with consternation. "'Why, what has come to you to-day?' inquired Madame Vauquet. "'You are as merry as a skylark.' "'I am always in spirits after I have made a good bargain.' "'Bargain?' said Eugene. "'Well, yes, bargain. I have just delivered a lot of goods, and I shall be paid a handsome commission on them.' Mademoiselle Michonneau, he went on, seeing that the elderly spinster was scrutinizing him intently. Have you any objection to some feature in my face that you are making those lynx eyes at me? Just let me know, and I will have it changed to oblige you. We shall not fall out about it, Poiret, I dare say, he added, winking at the superannuated clerk. Bless my soul, you ought to stand as a model for a burlesque. Hercules, said the young painter. I will, upon my word, if Mademoiselle Michonneau will consent to sit as the Venus of Père Lachaise, replied Vautrin. There's Poiret, suggested Biancon. Oh, Poiret shall pose as Poiret. He can be a garden god, cried Vautrin. His name means a pear. A sleepy pear, Biancon put in. You will come in between the pear and the cheese. "'What stuff you are all talking,' said Madame Bouquet. "'You would do better to treat us to your Bordeaux. "'I see a glimpse of a bottle there. "'It would keep us all in good humour, "'and it is good for the stomach besides.' "'Gentlemen,' said Vautrin, "'the lady president calls us to order. "'Madame Couture and Mademoiselle Victorine 
will take your jokes in good part but respect the innocence of the aged goriot i propose a glass or two of bordeaux-ama rendered twice illustrious by the name of lafitte no political allusions intended come you turk he added looking at christophe who did not offer to stir christophe here what you don't answer to your own name bring us some liquor turk here it is sir said christophe holding out the bottle autrin filled eugene's glass and goriot's likewise then he deliberately poured out a few drops into his own glass and sipped it while his two neighbors drank their wine all at once he made a grimace corked he cried the devil you can drink the rest of this christophe and go and find another bottle take from the right hand side you know there are sixteen of us take down eight bottles if you are going to stand treat said the painter i will pay for a hundred chestnuts ho ho buo purr these exclamations came from all parts of the table like squibs from a set firework come now mamma vauquet a couple of bottles of champagne called vautrin quien just like you why not ask for the whole house at once a couple of bottles of champagne that means twelve francs i shall never see the money back again i know but if monsieur eugene has a mind to pay for it i have some current cordial that current cordial of hers is as bad as a black draught muttered the medical student shut up bianchon exclaimed rastignac the very mention of black draught makes me feel yes champagne by all means i will pay for it he added sylvie called madame vauquet bring in some biscuits and the little cakes those little cakes are mouldy greybeards said vautrin but trot out the biscuits bordeaux wine circulated the dinner-table became a livelier scene than ever and the fun grew fast and furious imitations of the cries of various animals mingled with a loud laughter the museum official having taken it into his head to mimic a cat-call rather than the caterwauling of the animal in question eight voices simultaneously struck up the following variations scissors to grind chickweeds for singing birds brandy snaps ladies china to mend boat ahoy sticks to beat your wives or your clothes old clow cherries all ripe but the palm was awarded to bianchon for the nasal accent with which he rendered the cry of umbrellas to me end a few seconds later and there was a head-splitting racket in the room a storm of tomfoolery a sort of cat's concert with vautrin as conductor of the orchestra the latter keeping an eye the while on eugene and father goriot the wine seemed to have gone to their heads already they leaned back in their chairs looking at the general confusion with an air of gravity and drank but little both of them were absorbed in the thought of what lay before them to do that evening and yet neither of them felt able to rise and go vautrin gave a side glance to them from time to time and watched the change that came over their faces choosing the moment when their eyes drooped and seemed about to close to bend over rastignac and say in his ear my little lad you are not quite shrewd enough to outwit papa vautrin yet 
and he is too fond of you to let you make a mess of your affairs when i have made up my mind to do a thing no one short of providence can put me off aha we were for going round to warn off old Talifay, telling tales out of school the oven is hot the dough is kneaded the bread is ready for the oven to-morrow we will eat it up and whisk away the crumbs and we are not going to spoil the baking no no it is all as good as done we may suffer from a few conscientious scruples but they will be digested along with the bread while we are having our forty winks colonel count francesini will clear the way to michel talefay's inheritance with the point of his sword victorine will come in for her brother's money a snug fifteen thousand francs a year i have made inquiries already and i know that her late mother's property amounts to more than three hundred thousand eugene heard all this and could not answer a word his tongue seemed to be glued to the roof of his mouth an irresistible drowsiness was creeping over him he still saw the table and the faces round it but it was through a bright mist soon the noise began to subside one by one the boarders went at last when their number had so dwindled that the party consisted of madame vauquet madame couture mademoiselle victorine vautrin and father goriot rastignac watched as though in a dream how madame vauquet busied herself by collecting the bottles and drained the remainder of the wine out of each to fill others oh how uproarious they are what a thing it is to be young said the widow these were the last words that eugene heard and understood there is no one like monsieur vautrin for a bit of fun like this said sylvie there just hark at christophe he is snoring like a top good-bye mamma said vautrin i'm going to a theatre on the boulevard to see monsieur marty in le mont sauvage a fine play taken from la solitaire if you like i will take you and these two ladies thank you i must decline said madame couture what my good lady cried madame vauquet decline to see a play founded on le solitaire a work by atala de chateaubriand we were so fond of that book that we cried over it like magdalens under the lime trees last summer and then it is an improving work that might edify your young lady we are forbidden to go to the play answered victorine just look those two yonder have dropped off where they sit said vautrin shaking the heads of the two sleepers in a comical way he altered the sleeping student's position settled his head more comfortably on the back of his chair kissed him warmly on the forehead and began to sing sleep little darlings i watch while you slumber i am afraid he will be ill said victorine then stop and take care of him returned vautrin tis your duty as a meek and obedient wife he whispered in her ear the young fellow worships you and you will be his little wife there's your fortune for you in short he added aloud they lived happily ever afterwards were much looked up to in all the countryside and had a numerous family this is how all the romances end now mamma he went on as he turned to madame vauquet and put his arm round her waist put on your bonnet your best flowered silk and the countess's scarf 
while I go out and call a cab, all by my own self. And he started out, singing as he went, O son, divine son, ripening the pumpkins, every one. My goodness, well, I'm sure, Madame Couture, I could live happily in a garret with a man like that. There now, she added, looking round for the old vermicelli maker, there is that Father Goriot half seas over. He never thought of taking me anywhere, the old skinflint, but he will measure his length somewhere. My word, it is disgraceful to lose his senses like that at his age. You will be telling me that he couldn't lose what he hadn't got. Sylvie, just take him up to his room. Sylvie took him by the arm, supported him upstairs, and flung him just as he was, like a package, across the bed. Poor young fellow, said Madame Couture, putting back Eugene's hair that had fallen over his eyes. He is like a young girl. He does not know what dissipation is. Well, I can tell you this, I know, said Madame Vauquet. I have taken lodgers these thirty years, and a good many have passed through my hands, as the saying is, but I have never seen a nicer nor a more aristocratic-looking young man than Monsieur Eugene. How handsome he looks, sleeping! Just let his head rest on your shoulder, Madame Couture. Pshaw! He falls over towards Mademoiselle Victorine. There's a special providence for young things. A little more, and he would have broken his head against the knob of the chair. They'd make a pretty pair, those two would. Hush, my good neighbor, cried Madame Couture. You're saying such things. Pooh, put in Madame Bouquet. He does not hear. Here, Sylvie, come and help me to dress. I shall put on my best stays. What? Your best stays just after dinner, madame? said Sylvie. No, you can get some one else to lace you. I am not going to be your murderer. It's a rash thing to do, and might cost you your life. I don't care. I must do honor to Monsieur Vautrin. Are you so fond of your airs as all that? Come, Sylvie, don't argue, said the widow as she left the room. At her age, too said the cook to Victorine, pointing to her mistress as she spoke. Madame Couture and her ward were left in the dining-room, and Eugene slept on Victorine's shoulder. The sound of Christophe's snoring echoed through the silent house. Eugene's quiet breathing seemed all the quieter by force of contrast. He was sleeping as peacefully as a child. Victorine was very happy. She was free to perform one of those acts of charity which form an innocent outlet for all the overflowing sentiments of a woman's nature. He was so close to her that she could feel the throbbing of his heart. There was a look of almost maternal protection and conscious pride in Victorine's face. Among the countless thoughts that crowded up in her young innocent heart, there was a wild flutter of joy at this close contact. Poor dear child, said Madame Couture, squeezing her hand. The old lady looked at the girl. Victorine's innocent, pathetic face, so radiant with the new happiness that had befallen her, called to mind some naive work of medieval art, when the painter neglected the accessories, reserving all the magic of his brush for the quiet, austere outlines and ivory tints of the face, which seemed to have caught something of the golden glory of heaven. After all, he only took two glasses, Mamma 
said victorine passing her fingers through eugene's hair indeed if he had been a dissipated young man-child he would have carried his wine like the rest of them his drowsiness does him credit there was a sound of wheels outside in the street there is monsieur vautrin mamma said the girl just take monsieur eugene i would rather not have that man see me like this there are some ways of looking at you that seem to sully your soul and make you feel as though you had nothing on oh no you are wrong said madame couture monsieur vautrin is a worthy man he reminds me a little of my late husband poor dear monsieur couture rough but kind-hearted his bark is worse than his bite vautrin came in while she was speaking he did not make a sound but looked for a while at the picture of the two young faces the lamplight falling full upon them to caress them well he remarked folding his arms here is a picture it would have suggested some pleasing pages to bernardin de saint pierre good soul who wrote paul a virginie youth is very charming madame couture sleep on poor boy he added looking at eugene luck sometimes comes while you are sleeping there is something touching and attractive to me about this young man madame he continued i know that his nature is in harmony with his face just look the head of a cherub on an angel's shoulder he deserves to be loved if i were a woman i would die no not such a fool i would live for him he bent lower and spoke in the widow's ear when i see those two together madame i cannot help thinking that providence meant them for each other he works by secret ways and tries the reins and the heart he said in a loud voice and when i see you my children thus united by a like purity and by all human affections i say to myself that it is quite impossible that the future should separate you god is just he turned to victorine it seems to me he said that i have seen the line of success in your hand let me look at it mademoiselle victorine i am well up on palmistry and i have told fortunes many a time come now don't be frightened ah what do i see upon my word you will be one of the richest heiresses in paris before very long you will heap riches on the man who loves you your father will want you to go and live with him you will marry a young and handsome man with a title and he will idolize you the heavy footsteps of the coquettish widow who was coming down the stairs interrupted vautrin's fortune-telling here is mamma vauquer fair as a star dressed within an inch of her life aren't we a trifle pinched for room he inquired with his arm round the lady we are screwed up very tightly about the bust mamma if we are much agitated there may be an explosion but i will pick up the fragments with all the care of an antiquary there is a man who can talk the language of french gallantry said the widow bending to speak in madame couture's ears good-bye little ones said vautrin turning to eugene and victorine bless you both and he laid a hand on either head take my word for it young lady an honest man's prayers are worth something they should bring you happiness for god hears them good-bye dear said madame vauquet to her lodger 
do you think that monsieur vautrin means to run away with me she added lowering her voice lackaday said the widow oh mamma dear suppose i should really happen as that kind monsieur vautrin said said victorine with a sigh as she looked at her hands the two women were alone together why it wouldn't take much to bring it to pass said the elderly lady just a fall from his horse and your monster of a brother oh mamma good lord well perhaps it is a sin to wish bad luck to an enemy the widow remarked i will do penance for it still i would strew flowers on his grave with the greatest pleasure and that is the truth black-hearted that he is the coward couldn't speak up for his own mother and cheat you out of your share by deceit and trickery my cousin had a pretty fortune of her own but unluckily for you nothing was said in the marriage contract about anything that she might come in for it would be very hard if my fortune is to cost someone else his life said victorine if i cannot be happy unless my brother is to be taken out of the world i would rather stay here all my life mon dieu it is just as that good monsieur vautrin says and he is full of piety you see madame couture remarked i am very glad to find that he is not an unbeliever like the rest of them that talk of the almighty with less respect than they do of the devil well as he was saying who can know the ways by which it may please providence to lead us with sylvie's help the two women at last succeeded in getting eugene up to his room they laid him on the bed and the cook unfastened his clothes to make him more comfortable before they left the room victorine snatched an opportunity when her guardian's back was turned and pressed a kiss on eugene's forehead feeling all the joy that this stolen pleasure could give her then she looked round the room and gathering up as it were into one single thought all the untold bliss of that day she made a picture of her memories and dwelt upon it until she slept the happiest creature in paris that evening's merry-making in the course of which vautrin had given the drugged wine to eugene and father goriot was his own ruin bianchon flustered with wine forgot to open the subject of trompe la mort with mademoiselle michonneau the mere mention of the name would have set vautrin on his guard for vautrin or to give him his real name jacques collin was in fact the notorious escaped convict but it was the joke about the venus of pere luches that finally decided his fate mademoiselle michonneau had very nearly made up her mind to warn the convict and to throw herself on his generosity with the idea of making a better bargain for herself by helping him to escape that night but as it was she went out escorted by poiret in search of the famous chief of detectives in the petite rue Sainte anne still thinking that it was the district superintendent one gondreau with whom she had to do the head of the department received his visitors courteously there was a little talk and the details were definitely arranged mademoiselle michonneau asked for the draft that she was to administer in order to set about her investigation but the great man's evident satisfaction set mademoiselle michonneau thinking and she began to see that this business involved something more than the mere capture of a runaway convict
she racked her brains while he looked in a drawer in his desk for the little file and it dawned upon her that in consequence of treacherous revelations made by the prisoners the police were hoping to lay their hands on a considerable sum of money but on hinting her suspicions to the old fox of the petite rue saint anne that officer began to smile and try to put her off the scent a delusion he said collin's sorbonne is the most dangerous that has yet been found among the dangerous classes that is all and the rascals are quite aware of it they rally round him he is the backbone of the federation it's bonaparte in short he is very popular with them all the rogue will never leave his chomp in the place de grieve as mademoiselle michonneau seemed mystified gondreau explained the two slang words for her benefit sorbonne and chump are two forcible expressions borrowed from thieves latin thieves of all people being compelled to consider the human head in its two aspects a sorbonne is the head of a living man his faculty of thinking his counsel a chump is a contemptuous epithet that implies how little a human head is worth after the axe has done its work collin is playing us off he continued when we come across a man like a bar of steel tempered in the english fashion there is always one resource left we can kill him if he takes it into his head to make the least resistance we are reckoning on several methods of killing collin to-morrow morning it saves a trial and society is rid of him without all the expense of guarding and feeding him what with getting up the case summoning witnesses paying their expenses and carrying out the sentence it costs a lot to go through all the proper formalities before you can get quit of one of these good-for-nothings over and above the three thousand francs that you are going to have there is a saving in time as well one good thrust of the bayonet into trompe la mort's paunch will prevent scores of crimes and save fifty scoundrels from following his example they will be very careful to keep themselves out of the police courts that is doing the work of the police thoroughly and true philanthropists will tell you that it is better to prevent crime than to punish it and you do a service to our country said poiret really you are talking in a very sensible manner to-night that you are said the head of the department yes of course we are serving our country and we are very hardly used too we do society very great services that are not recognized in fact a superior man must rise above vulgar prejudices and a christian must resign himself to the mishaps that doing right entails when right is done in an out-of-the-way style paris is paris you see that is the explanation of my life i have the honour to wish you a good evening mademoiselle i shall bring my men to the jardin des rois in the morning send christophe to the rue du buffon tell him to ask for monsieur gondreau in the house where you saw me before your servant sir if you should ever have anything stolen from you come to me and i will do my best to get it back for you well now poiret remarked to mademoiselle michonneau there are idiots who are scared out of their wits by the word police 
that was a very pleasant spoken gentleman and what he wants you to do is as easy as saying good day the next day was destined to be one of the most extraordinary in the annals of maison vauquet hitherto the most startling occurrence in its tranquil existence had been the portentous meteor-like apparition of the sham comtesse d'ambusmel but the catastrophes of this great day were to cast all previous events into the shade and supply an inexhaustible topic of conversation for madame vauquet and her boarders so long as she lived in the first place goriot and eugene de rastignac both slept till close upon eleven o'clock madame vauquet who had come home about midnight from the gate lay abed till half-past ten christophe after a prolonged slumber he had finished vautrin's first bottle of wine was behindhand with his work but poiret and mademoiselle michonneau uttered no complaint though breakfast was delayed as for victorine and madame couture they also lay late vautrin went out before eight o'clock and only came back just as breakfast was ready nobody protested therefore when sylvie and christophe went up at a quarter past eleven knocked at all the doors and announced that breakfast was waiting while sylvie and the man were upstairs mademoiselle michonneau who came down first poured the contents of the phial into the silver cup belonging to vautrin it was standing with the others in the bain marie that kept the cream hot for the morning coffee the spinster had reckoned on this custom of the house to do her stroke of business the seven lodgers were at last collected together not without some difficulty just as eugene came downstairs stretching himself and yawning a commissionaire handed him a letter from madame de nucingen it ran thus i feel neither false vanity nor anger where you are concerned my friend till two o'clock this morning i waited for you oh that waiting for one whom you love no one that had passed through that torture could inflict it on another i know now that you have never loved before what can have happened anxiety has taken hold of me i would have come myself to find out what had happened if i had not feared to betray the secrets of my heart how can i walk out or drive out at this time of day would it not be ruin i have felt to the full how wretched it is to be a woman send a word to reassure me and explain how it is that you have not come after what my father told you i shall be angry but i will forgive you one word for pity's sake you will come to me soon will you not if you are busy a line will be enough say i will hasten to you or else i am ill but if you were ill my father would have come to tell me so what can have happened yes indeed what has happened exclaimed eugene and hurrying down to the dining-room he crumpled up the letter without reading any more what time is it half-past eleven said vautrin dropping a lump of sugar into his coffee the escaped convict cast a glance at eugene a cold and fascinating glance men gifted with this magnetic power can quell furious lunatics in a madhouse by such a glance it is said eugene shook in every limb there was the sound of wheels in the street 
and in another moment a man with a scarred face rushed into the room it was one of monsieur taliffe's servants madame couture recognized the livery at once mademoiselle he cried your father is asking for you something terrible has happened monsieur frederick has had a sword thrust into the forehead in a duel and the doctors have given him up you will scarcely be in time to say good-bye to him he is unconscious poor young fellow exclaimed vautrin how can people brawl when they have a certain income of thirty thousand livres young people have bad manners and that is a fact sir cried eugene well what then you big baby said vautrin swallowing down his coffee imperturbably an operation which mademoiselle michonneau watched with such close attention that she had no emotion to spare for the amazing news that had struck the others dumb with amazement are there not duels every morning in paris added vautrin i will go with you victorine said madame couture and the two women hurried away at once without either hats or shawls but before she went victorine with her eyes full of tears gave eugene a glance that said how little i thought that our happiness should cost me tears dear me you are a prophet monsieur vautrin said madame bouquet i am all sorts of things said vautrin queer isn't it said madame bouquet stringing together a succession of commonplaces suited to the occasion death takes us off without asking us about it the young often go before the old it is a lucky thing for us women that we are not liable to fight duels but we have other complaints that men don't suffer from we bear children and it takes a long time to get over it what a windfall for victorine her father will have to acknowledge her now there said vautrin looking at eugene yesterday she had not a penny this morning she has several millions to her fortune i say monsieur eugene cried madame vauquet you have landed on your feet at this exclamation father goriot looked at the student and saw the crumpled letter still in his hand you have not read it through what does this mean are you going to be like the rest of them he asked madame i shall never marry mademoiselle victorine said eugene turning to madame vauquet with an expression of terror and loathing that surprised the onlookers at the scene father goriot caught the student's hand and grasped it warmly he could have kissed it oh oh said vautrin the italians have a good proverb called tempo is there any answer said madame de nucingen's messenger addressing eugene say that i will come directly the man went eugene was in a state of such violent excitement that he could not be prudent what is to be done he exclaimed aloud there are no proofs vautrin began to smile though the drug he had taken was doing its work the convict was so vigorous that he rose to his feet gave rastignac a look and said in hollow tones luck comes to us while we sleep young man and fell stiff and stark as if he were struck dead so there is a divine justice said eugene well if ever what has come to that poor dear monsieur vautrin a stroke cried mademoiselle michonneau here sylvie girl run for the doctor called the widow oh monsieur rastignac 
just go for monsieur bianchon and be as quick as you can sylvie might not be in time to catch our doctor monsieur grimprel rastignac was glad of an excuse to leave that den of horrors his hurry for the doctor was nothing but a flight here christophe go round to the chemist's and ask for something that's good for apoplexy christophe likewise went father goriot just help us get him upstairs vautrin was taken up among them carried carefully up the narrow staircase and laid upon his bed i can do no more here so i shall go to see my daughter said monsieur goriot selfish old thing cried madame vauquet yes go i wish you may die like a dog just go and see if you can find some ether said mademoiselle michonneau to madame vauquet the former with some help from poiret had unfastened the sick man's clothes madame vauquet went down to her room and left mademoiselle michonneau mistress of the situation now just pull down his shirt and turn him over quick you might be of some use in sparing my modesty she said to poiret instead of standing there like a stock vautrin was turned over mademoiselle michonneau gave his shoulder a sharp slap and the two portentous letters appeared white against the red there you have earned your three thousand francs very easily exclaimed poiret supporting vautrin while mademoiselle michonneau slipped on the shirt again Ooh, how heavy he is he added as he laid the convict down hush suppose there is a strong-box here said the old maid briskly her glances seemed to pierce the walls she scrutinized every article of the furniture with greedy eyes could we find some excuse for opening that desk it mightn't be quite right responded poiret to this where is the harm it is money stolen from all sorts of people so it doesn't belong to anyone now but we haven't time there is the bouquet here is the ether said the lady i must say that this is an eventful day lord that man can't have had a stroke he is as white as curds white as curds echoed poiret and his pulse is steady said the widow laying her hand on his breast steady said the astonished poiret he is all right do you think so asked poiret lord yes he looks as if he was sleeping sylvie has gone for a doctor i say mademoiselle michonneau he is sniffing the ether pooh it is only a spasm his pulse is good he is as strong as a turk just look mademoiselle what a fur tippet he has on his chest that is the sort of man to live till he is a hundred his wig holds on tightly however dear me it is glued on and his own hair is red that is why he wears a wig they say that red-haired people are either the worst or the best is he one of the good ones i wonder good to hang said poiret round a pretty woman's neck you mean said mademoiselle michonneau hastily just go away monsieur poiret it is a woman's duty to nurse you men when you are ill besides for all the good you are doing you may as well take yourself off she added madame bouquet and i will take great care of dear monsieur vautrin poiret went out on tiptoe without a murmur like a dog kicked out of the room by his master rastignac 
had gone out for the sake of physical exertion he wanted to breathe the air he felt stifled yesterday evening he had meant to prevent the murder arranged for half-past eight this morning what had happened what ought he to do now he trembled to think that he himself might be implicated vautrin's coolness still further dismayed him yet how if vautrin should die without saying a word rastignac asked himself he hurried along the alleys of the luxembourg gardens as if the hounds of justice were after him and he already heard the baying of the pack well shouted bianchon you have seen the pilote the pilote was a radical sheet edited by m tissot it came out several hours later than the morning papers and was meant for the benefit of country subscribers for it brought the morning news into provincial districts twenty-four hours sooner than the ordinary local journals there is a wonderful history in it said the house student of the hospital coquin young taliffet called out count francesini of the old guard and the count put a couple of inches of steel into his forehead and here is little victorine one of the richest heiresses in paris if we had known that eh what a game of chance death is they say victorine was sweet on you was there any truth in it shut up bianchon i shall never marry her i am in love with a charming woman and she is in love with me so you said that as if you were screwing yourself up to be faithful to her i should like to see the woman worth the sacrifice of master taliffet's money are all the devils of hell at my heels cried rastignac what is the matter with you are you mad give us your hand said bianchon and let me feel your pulse you are feverish just go to mother vauquet's said rastignac that scoundrel vautrin has dropped down like one dead aha said bianchon leaving rastignac to his reflections you confirm my suspicions and now i mean to make sure for myself End of section 8